more they'll learn. Oh, this is the only fucking podcast about The Sopranos. So what, no fucking ZD now? Tonight, on the penultimate episode of No Fucking ZD, we're talking about sending your steak into orbit, sipping on a Negroni, and protesting the stay-at-home order. Chill out, we're among friends, we're all professionals. It's an all-new episode of No Fucking ZD. Bring This is, this must be some kind of record. Does anyone know how many episodes we did in a row, like in the the, the heyday of the pod? <laughs> did, did, did the pod have a heyday? I guess is the first question. Uh, it came and went pretty fast. If it did, I think I feel like we one time got like six in a row because there was there was a, a short period of time when we were um, like pretty good about recording two in a day. Um, right, right, which right, right. Turns out is like just exhausting for some reason. But we it was we really hard, and, and by the second one, I'd be <laughs> I'd be kind of drunk yeah. and hungry. <laughs> I remember we'd both be like starving by the end. I know, it'd take a long time. And it'd be like eleven thirty at night. We're like, where the fuck do we go? And New York for uh for being the city that never sleeps, like surprisingly, a lot of places closed down. You know at normal quote-unquote times and so we'd just be like fuck what are we doing <laughs> just start i know looking for i know taking an hour looking up menus and stuff and just not agreeing well, on where to go well we'd start at like 4 p.m and we'd be like yeah let's do two episodes and then go to dinner and yeah. then it would like you said it would be 11 30 at night yeah we'd inevitably inevitably just go down like a youtube jack handy old school snl hall or something <laughs> like that which was always oh fun. yeah always fun have you been? I mean, it's a good time for YouTube rabbit holes. Have you had any interesting, any interesting finds during YouTube, the uh, quarantine here? YouTube rabbit holes, not so much actually. No, I haven't really. Uh, I mean, I guess like literally everybody else, I'm watching a lot of recipe videos and things like that, and sure, um, you know, failing at them, but somehow still stumbling into delicious food <laughs> in some way. You're making a hard stuff. You're making like fried chicken and pizza and like yeah. Well, I live, I essentially live in a basement, um, but here I'm at a place with a, a, a window next to my stovetop and an actual vent above the stove, two things that I don't have in my actual apartment. So let me I, tell you something about the vents. Like we have a vent. It doesn't, it doesn't do as much as you hope. <laughs> at it least helps. with me. At least the fire alarm's not going off every two minutes if I wanted to, you know, make something right. on the on the stovetop. Well, uh, oh, little I unplug I, I, or something. If, if, if I'm searing, I unplug it. It's just yeah. Gone. But yeah. I I put it I put it on my pillow so that inevitably when I go to go to sleep and have forgotten to put it back in, I remember. You know, yeah, and that's I, smart. And I don't go to sleep without a fire a smoke detector, Very fire smart. alarm, whatever. That's like I yeah. some people on set when they are like just interviewing at somebody's house, they'll, uh, you know, like leave their keys in the fridge or something like that so that they uh, or leave something important um, with their keys like in the fridge so that they like can't get in their car and drive away without grabbing like their keys and like the hard drive that they're backing stuff up on or something like that. Just a little, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, a little uh, behind the scenes, uh, some TV magic for you there, leaving stuff in the fridge. So that so the computer's uh, in the fridge with the hard drive. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. 
Um, wow. Anyway, um, welcome to No Fucking CD, uh, a podcast by observers for observers uh, for people who weren't there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. Good, good episode. Um, <laughs> it's a lazy Sunday. We were gonna do stuff, but like, I stayed up late. I've been watching movies that like I wouldn't normally watch. I Goldeneye is on Hulu right now. Nice. Everyone out there, Goldeneye is just one of the best Bond movies. It's incredible. I um, I remember the game more than the movie. I would say. Oh my god, the movie is great because it's Pierce Brosnan like in his heyday as like just such a hunk, you know. And, <laughs> and and it's like, you know, it's it's a few steps away from the like Sean Connery version of James Bond where he could be scuba diving into like some compound and he comes out and he takes off the wetsuit and he's got like a perfect tuxedo on. Yeah. You know, yeah, and like yeah. it's not quite that, but it's like way up there, you know. He's it's like not Daniel Craig is an action, you know. No. Yeah. He's but but he's still getting out of like silly impossible situations and god the 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 goons are just the goons from 90s movies are just the worst goons I think there ever or were they always bad I mean I feel like it like true lies like all of these movies the goons are just such morons and they can't shoot and whenever they get shot their feet are going straight up into the air <laughs> you know it's like like they're, they're like they're slipping and falling you know I feel like they were generally generally always bad, but 80s and 90s in particular probably uh, stand out because it was just like the action movie heyday. Um, yeah. Speaking of heydays, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of goons, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, things like that. Oh, uh, uh, totally. You know, yeah. Yeah, we've been watching some good so- good movies as well. And speaking of, we watched um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang yesterday, which does a pretty good send up of like the action goon because uh, it actually kind of like gives these goons little personality traits that are just really funny and they have little moments of like infighting and talking over each other and both wanting to be the ones to say like the cool thing when they have someone tied up <laughs> so recommend that for sure i haven't seen that that's that's awesome it's really good it's really good and then last I night i did a, which we should do as well we should do a little um watch party because i did that last night with some friends from home and watched the original creep show from uh like 1982 which is just oh, wow. a like campy, you know, terrible horror, but amazing movie at the same time. It's a ton of fun. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. High, high recommend for those. That's good. Home. Yeah, yeah. I-, I was thinking about that. We should watch something like we could watch. We could watch some Sopranos. We could. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for the first time. Um, for the first time. I we I, I watched, you know, I rewatched Blue Comet today and, you know. Uh, my wife has not seen as much of the series as I had thought. I don't know why I assumed that she knew everything that happened. But uh, when Bobby gets shot, she she was like, oh, my God, Bobby dies. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, I mean, did you... Uh, I feel like she should have told you that before you guys got married, that she had not completed the series. Oh, I asked. I asked. But Incredible. I was... False pretenses. Got, got married under false pretenses. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I feel like we should hit the ground running here. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. 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 All right. So we're doing it. Um, <laughs> Done. Done. A, uh, another, um, you know, obviously top eighty six episode, but a, a top top eighty six episode. I mean, this is a this is. Kind of a, a, you know, it, it gets eclipsed in some ways by next week's episode because of the whole raging debate about the final scene. But this is like 
kind of a masterpiece, yeah. this episode. It's really fucking amazing. Well, it really carries the torch as far as penultimate episodes of the season mm-hmm. having kind of the lion's share of the action. Yes. Like, nothing happens next week, like, in the action category, except for, like, Phil's incredible death. You know? Right. But, um... Spoilers. Spoilers. Sorry. (laughs) What's our policy? It's been 20 years or 10 years or something. You shouldn't be listening at this point. I don't know why. Not my fucking problem. Yeah. You shouldn't have not seen it is really what it is. You should be listening. Right. You should, you should have seen the show. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Next week is fairly low key. All, you know, all things considered. Um, This is just, you know, I mean, people in general, from what I kind of remember um, is people sort of felt like there were some meandering episodes this season. They didn't really, mm. you know, the, the mob section or the mob, uh, you know, the, we're talking B or a or both, uh, both. I would say all together. Season I mean, six. I mean, season six, certainly a, some meandering with Vito. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I know not that's that, not that there's anything wrong with that. No. <laughs> yeah. We're fine with the meander. <laughs> Um, I know that they, they definitely spread out this final season into, into two. And so I, I know that David Chase has said that he wouldn't have spent as much time on Vito if he had, you know, if they were only doing like a 13 episode final season instead of a, what was it, 21 episodes altogether. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, so a for sure, but then B, you know, people, there was that group of fans who didn't love Soprano home movies and didn't really feel like there was a lot happening in the other episodes and this feels like just an explosion of action all of a sudden, you know, at the very end. And I think that's, they had to it's be pretty shitload. satisfied at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So shut the fuck up about it. I guess <laughs> is what we'd want to say to those people. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it is ironic that after all the complaining that people did about a lack of action, you know, it comes in right at the end. Yeah. Um, but it's not fun. It's not fun action. It's hard. It's like, it's really brutal. Like, I don't know if even just like the way that the sound is edited, like, it's just like hard. It's hard action. You know, it's like painful looking. It's mm-hmm. not this like, it, it doesn't go down easy. Like, you know, seeing Mikey Palmisi get shot did. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I mean, like seeing Syl get shot, they like really zoom in on like his his loin, you know, his shoulder blade or his loin or whatever the, whatever that is that, <laughs> that he takes it on, you know? Yeah. And it's like, Oh, you know, like that's a, like, that's a ticklish spot, you yeah. know? Um, the, the fun is gone. I mean, this is, this is one of the main points is that like the, even the food's not exciting anymore. I want to point out my canary in the coal mine with that is that, you know, Tony's Tony goes and he orders the gabagool with, with vinegar peppers and provolone and, um, the sandwich just looks sad, you know. He 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 leaves, you know. And agent uh, agent, what's his name? Uh, Harris. Follows him out of agent Harris. Follows him out of follows him out of Satrials, you know. And he decides that he's gonna, you know, give him a little tip. Mm-hmm. But the sandwich just looks so sad, and it's not like the kind of thing where, like, you know, Tony's not dreaming of that Lomain all the way over here anymore. Yeah, it's like he point. no longer he no longer has that self. The sandwich looks a little bit sad, and then. Fucking uh, Agent Harris tells him that, you know, that thing may may still be on. And he throws the possibly. sandwich in the garbage. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. He throws the sandwich in the garbage. Like when, I mean, 
if it was any other season, we'd see Tony double, maybe order a second sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> having gotten that news, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, well, I need another one. Right? Yeah. I mean, um, I I agree. But just watching it in quarantine, I've never wanted that particular sandwich more. Um, it just looks, the bread looks fucking perfect. And I I was going to say, I, the bread has got to be great. Yeah, you know? that's the thing. Uh, I, I, I know what you're saying, because it is, it is. I usually get a little more on my sandwich, I guess. Um, although I don't know, sometimes you're gonna keep There's it simple. There's very little happening in this sandwich. Yeah. And the way that they sh- the way they shot it, it just looks kind of like it looks like someone stepped on it, sort of. You <laughs> know what I mean? So or that's... like it was frozen and like reheated. Or something. <laughs> so that, that's when you knew that things were about to go down. It was the sandwich. Right. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll yeah. see you next week. All right. Great. That was <laughs> Um, well, let's easy. talk about like how things go down, I guess. I mean, uh, the whole episode throws you off like from the get go because we open on the scene with Syl killing Bert, who's like, obviously, I recognize him. But at the same time, yeah. he's, he's you're kind of like, well, wait, who is this again? Like, why are we focusing on this? And I feel like just that the fact that we all know it's the second to last episode and we have two hours or less with the whole show. It's so right. like it's like why are we opening on on this? Like who the fuck? Why this? Why how is this important? You know, which I feel right. like immediately just adds to this, it. Just throws you off and throws your curveball right there from the beginning and just adds to the tension. You know, from the first scene on. Well, you know, if they're starting to kill off their own guys, then you know. I mean, I feel like it's just meant to say, hey, the shit has really hit the fan here. I mean, yeah. Well, it's gonna hit the fan like harder, but like things are things are. Are, are bad you know they're really devolving here quickly right um uh, yeah and then we go from that to immediately to the scene with phil and uh butchie and, and i'm blanking on the and, other guys and butchie and uh, though. uh yeah the yeah big fat well, guy some someone will tell us why we were wrong about it um but yeah. you know then we go to phil and Having him just list off all the reasons he wants to kill Tony is, I think, just really kind of funny and interesting because, like, it's all the shit that we've been rooting for Tony to do throughout the whole series. Like, Mm -hmm. we wanted him to beat Junior to be boss. I mean, we also know that Junior tried to kill him. Um, We wanted wanted to see Christopher get made. And when we see the getting made ceremony, we're like, whoa, how interesting. Look at all these little details. But then Phil just, like, lays it all out. Like, you know, he stepped over his father's brother to become boss. When they do the making ceremony, they don't do it right. You know, like all these things that we thought were like really cool and fun and interesting are suddenly just this. It becomes this list of the things that Tony is like fucked up. And, you know, we thought he was this great boss. And now it's like, oh, wait, to Phil, someone like Phil, it's all wrong, you know? Yeah, but don't you think he's kind of he's he's just saying shit to say it, you know? Of course, yeah. I mean, he breaks his own code of ethics and, and, you know, mob code all the time i'm sure you know and and right. different all different ways it's really just about like his pride and uh maybe a generational thing too i guess and obviously of course the billy situation way back when the, whatever, happened, whatever there. happened there um <laughs> like i mean i but also i mean the whole thing with the the whole thing with uh you know he mentions don Vito, which is uh yeah interesting to say the <laughs> least you know i mean he still is just like he still is conspicuously too charged up about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but then like they, you know, Tony has a similar conversation with, uh, with his guys. And, you know, when uh, Bobby says something like, 
you know, I, uh, you know, when, when, when Phil stuck you with the tab for Vito Jr., I said, okay, you know, like he's, (laughs) Bobby's really trying to like do the thing that, that guys do, but you know, it's like, I mean, Phil's not a, Phil's not an easy guy to deal with, but I mean, they certainly, they don't really have the list of grievances that, that Phil does, I suppose. But Tony's also like not as vindictive and nasty as Phil, I think. Well, Phil just, yeah, I mean, I don't, he's probably always been a cranky guy. Has probably gotten crankier. <laughs> probably has gotten a lot crankier after going to prison, and then was also just going to naturally get a little more cranky as he got older. And you just right. shake, shake all that up, and uh, you know you got uh, an explosive personality who just, yeah. I mean, it also was about pride and legacy and whatever other you know nonsense that he cared about more than anything. And then of course That's it really true. does come down down to his brother getting killed and. And Tony not dealing with it the way he hoped he would have de- dealt with it. Which, I think you know. that that's re- that that's got to be really what's at the root of this. Like Phil has wanted has had it out for Tony since that. Um, Tony did not get his. T- t- Tony didn't you know or Phil didn't get his uh, redemption at least in the way that he wanted. But John at the time you know said, "Hey, this is like how we're going to do this. It's cool mm-hmm. or whatever." You know, he's. I really do think that he's like been waiting for the chance to to really fuck with Tony kind of forever, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's why he needs to say all this shit and kind of go off half cocked with his guys, you know? Yeah, totally. But there's a lot of subtle funny business happening in these conversations, wouldn't you say? Did it, Am I the only one who picked up on that? Uh, how so? In the one conversation with Phil and his guys, you mean, or, or uh... the, the the well, no, okay. So there's the conversation with Phil and his guys, and then um, the conversation that Butchie has with his guys um, in mm. the hair salon. Yes, Flatbush bikini waxing, which yeah. is where I go. Um, <laughs> of course, but uh, you know, uh, there are a couple of things, a couple of three things that happen in that conversation that are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that. They kind of there's not like infighting, but you know there's that thing about like they're like oh, you know Bobby Bacala is like number number three. He used to be Junior Soprano's driver, and then like the fat guy with the glasses, you know, kind of burns him a little bit. He's like, you used to sell laser printers out of the the trunk of your Crown Vic, Ooh, you know. <laughs> yeah, and like so that's a little bit of an interesting thing that they're sort of like defending some of some of these people when they're about to have them killed, and then. The other thing is that Butchie gets up and starts cleaning up like empty um, lotions and lotions and beauty products. Hair can, yeah, exactly. And he's like, he's like, oh, is there any left in here? No, I'm going to throw it away. Yeah. What do you make of that? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I make anything specific out of it, like, like as far as symbolism goes. But what I did like about it was that it, you know they kind of treat the whole thing in a really mundane way, which I think on the one hand makes it super realistic. Like Butchie's just putting away beauty products and, you know, Tony puts out the hit on Phil and then he's like, I gotta go go get tires for Carmela's car. You know, like they're still just like dudes, like, you know, either living in the suburbs or like living their lives. And so on the one hand, it makes it more realistic. And then on the other hand, it just like adds to the tension that like, uh, I mean, I don't know. You'd think that, 
if you had a hit out on your life, you'd immediately like go to ground, as they say later in the episode. But like mm-hmm. Tony's just like out there in the open buying tires for the car. It's like, you know, do they even care? Like somehow just the fact that they're ignoring what's going on makes you just want to scream at the TV. Like, you know, what are you doing? Get out of there. There's, you know, it's kind of like huh. there's someone behind you kind of thing. So that's I mean, I think that that's interesting. That's what I take away from it. I'm sure there's something much deeper there, though. And um, I think that one of the things that we get um, one of the things that we get from all of this kind of like a tighter look inside of the New York family is like how insanely bigger they are Mm -hmm. and how powerful they are. Like New York can't survive a war, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, or sorry, New Jersey can't survive a war in New York, like a for real war. And so it's really interesting that I, I feel like Butchie like cleaning stuff up. It might be sort of like, yeah, we're going to do this hit on these guys anyway. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's like you said, it's mundane, but it's also just like, they're so powerful. It's kind of not that big of a deal to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this brings me to something else. I, I've always had an issue with this hit getting fucked up on Phil. Okay. Um, you know, with the with the the tailors from Italy, <laughs> yeah. um, or the the zips, as it were. Like, what is that a racial slur, or does that just mean like guys from another country who are like they zip over and they they kill someone? <laughs> I believe it's uh like I'm, I think it's specifically about Italians. I'm not sure why. And oh I, wow, okay. I feel like I can't say it. Well, so. I guess I can. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, um, so. Yeah, but they say it about each other. Like, is it about know, real well, Italians? Like, it's, that's sure. the strangest thing. Yeah. But they only use it when they're referring to these guys from Naples, I assume. Um, so, anyhow, this hit gets fucked up. And it's quite, quite a coincidence mm-hmm. that they get given the wrong address. And it has a guy who looks a lot like Phil. Well, okay. Is, so, is that what happens, though? Or is that actually Phil's Gumar's house it's just that he's not there or is it that like Uh, is that her the house she grew up in and that she goes to sometimes but she has like an apartment that phil goes to other times wait why do you say because are they saying that they caught him at the they were trying to catch him at the gumar's house like in particular yes because that's what they say that they're like he's at his gumar's house every friday night let's do it there and I just mm. I assumed that that was where she actually lives, and her dad looks exactly like Phil. Make that of what you will. The whole you know uh, some Freudian stuff going on there, I'm sure. And um, somehow Phil wasn't there that particular night, or maybe they did get the address wrong. Like that was like where her family lived, and she happened to be there that night. But that's 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 what I took away from it was that. That was actually his Gumar, and... Hmm. Well, we see the Gumar in the previous... Which episode is it? When do, when do they blow up the, the hair salon that Phil's going to go to? That's in Kaisha, I believe, right? Right, right. So, I mean... I don't know. I'm not going to pull up the episode right now and actually watch it. But, like, okay... <laughs> That's what I took okay. away from it, um, was that, like, that was really her, but they somehow fucked up, and 
you know, in a show about psychology and parents and the way we, you know, like there was something very fitting about the fact that her dad would look exactly like Phil and uh, that they would somehow screw that up. Right. But I don't think that, I don't think that they're, um, I don't think that's the same woman. Let me just look real quick. Yeah. I mean, not, not, yeah. I, uh, I'm a stickler for these things because if it was the same person, I would be like super, super psyched, but I'm just going to look real quick because why not? Um, and, uh, oh, here we are. Here's the scene. I Wikipedia it. says it's the father of Phil's Kamara. Well, we see her face in just a moment. Wait, hang on. I got her coming out of the car. Uh, could be the same woman. Okay. All right. I could live with that. I can, I can live with that. Okay. Still odd that her dad looks so much like Phil. That's the other thing. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I rationalize it that, that, yeah, they're making some kind of statement about, you know, how, the same, the same way that Tony goes for, uh, his mother and like Gloria and, uh, and all his other, in Irina and all these other, um, impossibly impossible to please women she somehow right. goes for this older uh you know gray goose i think as Polly calls him um <laughs> <laughs> i mean i okay so here's uh, here's here's my thing i do think that there's some weirdness around Polly with this whole thing Polly is trying to impress upon Tony how serious this or impress upon Syl how serious the situation is. You know, he says there could be a line around, you know, around the block at Cozzarelli's like they, no one else has been to the mattresses like Polly has, you know, he mm -hmm. says, I made it through the sixties by the skin of my ass, you know? Um, and there's a thing when the, when the, 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 uh, the Italian gentlemen uh, first show up in uh, at the Bing, mm -hmm. um, you know, with the junkie guy and, and, you know, Patsy goes over to, to say hello, you know, still, or Polly drives around, Polly drives by in his Cadillac and then like speeds off. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, um, I don't know. There are a couple of things with that, that I was thinking about. The first is that, um, well, let me say the second thing first and then I'll say the first thing. Um, <laughs> a couple of the, so things. This, so a couple of three things. The second thing that I was thinking is that, like, you know, Polly's acting weird. And I feel like, you know, what you were saying about taking it seriously, like maybe he's sort of the only one that's taking it seriously. Um, and he's like kind of annoyed with all of these guys who are like playing cops and robbers or whatever, as he'd say, uh, or cowboys and Indians and like uh, not taking it as seriously as they should. He's like going to get his shit in order, like not hanging out at the fucking bing, you know? Yeah. Um but the second thing I was going to say, or the first thing, the first thing I was going to say is that <laughs> I kind of was wondering if, if Polly like helped them to, well, helped it along that the hit got botched. That did cross my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mean explicitly he, helped or. May, like maybe did he have a conversation with the Italian gentleman? Did he give a wrong address? Did he give someone a tip? Cause like, you know, Polly has had sort of like, he's played footsie with the New York family in the past. We know mm, this. Yeah. I mean, he gets, he gets played by Johnny sack. That's for sure. Yeah. But, um, or he gets played by, uh, Johnny sack. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's Johnny sack. Yeah. 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 He gets played by Johnny sack. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, uh, big, uh, 
Big Carmine doesn't know who he is. That's right. But, yeah. um, you know, he's definitely played footsie like this in the past. And so it did cross my mind that he would like throw a wrench in there somehow, maybe give Phil a heads up not to be at the place. It stands to reason that if that is his Gumar, then, you know, maybe people think he's at his Gumar's house on a Friday night, but it's actually her dad, you know, and yeah. it just looks like him. But here's the other thing. And this is my big question with the whole episode. Um, what happens if they do get Phil in that hit? I think uh -oh. they're like way more fucked if they ac actually clip Phil. Yeah. I mean, I would guess that they would have to, they would have to come with a, a pretty, you know, big envelope to Butchie or whoever's <laughs> left over and um, buy their, buy their way back in, in some way. Or they would have to probably have some, I mean, essentially what does happen in the finale is have some kind of brokered meeting where it's like, hey, you know, I, the, the, he already had a target on my back. You have, you know, I, I have right. to do what I have to do, I, I would assume. For you know, there's. I mean, do, but don't you think New York would have gone after them with like a fucking army if that had worked out? Like they would have all been like really, really dead. I mean, I'm sure they have their their Christophers who come in at uh, DefCon Five and uh, you know want to <laughs> come in and just light the place up. But then they have their mm -hmm. butchies and they have the people like that who are kind of like, well, hold on a second. What really matters here is that we go back to like selling power tools and <laughs> selling fake. That's true. cards yeah. or whatever um, centrums yeah that's what uh that's what matters the most ultimately is they none of them want to deal with this they want to just like make money the easiest way possible and right. just you know not have to have the, the stress of it all really so i think like hmm. i don't know they always this show always surprised like it always kind of teased the thing that you're used to seeing happen in the movies and then we kind of pull back and show you that no actually real life these guys are just scam artists and scumbags and they only care about getting an envelope of cash at the end of the week. And yeah, that's, that's what's, that's what's similar about, about, uh, Weiner also uh, in terms of writing style, uh, for Mad Men yeah. is that it's life is never some big showdown. You know, you think that you're between a rock and a hard place and I like always some X factor comes in and decides for you. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. There's never, there's never that, that, um, scenario, where you have to decide between giving up your girlfriend and, you know, <laughs> going into witness protection. You're, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, right, right. Th that, that just never happens. But yeah. I, I don't know. I think about that because in, in the final episode, you know, they, they broker it before they hit Phil, right? So yes, um, I think that it's, it, it's just interesting that this got bungled. And I think in many ways it played to their advantage, you know, because New York doesn't really get anybody else after... No. Uh, after 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 sill really i think no they don't um do they no i don't believe they do no. um but it's been a little yeah no i think that phil they they have that meeting and then phil's taken out and i think that's the end of it yeah um yeah yeah i think that i think it would have been a bigger problem if they actually had killed phil because then you know then there's another vendetta going down you know what i yeah, mean yeah it's possible it's definitely possible. I mean, I I don't know the ins and outs of how that works well enough to totally say, but I, I mm -hmm. just knowing the show, I feel like you'd expect some big showdown and then the next episode would open with like 
two random characters you've never met before exchanging money and then being like, all right, cool, we're good. <laughs> and then like, yeah, and then it would exactly. be really about like AJ and that's just how it always goes. Um, a- AJ working. By the way, that's the spinoff I want is AJ working at the porno company. Yes, for Little Carmine and being Donald Trump's private helicopter pilot as well. Oh, uh, God, I forgot about that. Oh, it's, it's it, it, when you think it can't get more embarrassing for this kid. I know, it's terrible. <laughs> um, but going back to just, uh, I mean, this is a really plot-heavy episode, I feel like, the, and the plot is just so much fun uh, in a way. It's thrilling and scary and just totally, like, you know, nerve-wracking. Um, but, yeah, I, I really, I like the the writing of having the, the hit just go totally wrong because of all this just, this game of telephone that happens throughout the guys and they all just, they're all passing the buck and totally botching it. And, um, you know, in the end, it's the porno store heroin addict guy taking care of it also, which is the funniest thing. It's like the most important thing. (laughs) Patsy's getting updates from this guy, you know, who Chrissy used to pay in, in heroin. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just like, whatever. Yeah. Ukrainian. Sure. Whatever. I know um, that was one thing that Ariane Ariane caught when uh like she walked in the room when uh when the uh, uh Ariane's my wife. This this was one thing that she caught when when uh, that scene was happening. She she saw Patsy, you know, get off the phone with like junkie McPorno guy and uh then Patsy calls Polly, right? And he yeah. says it's done and he just hangs up and she <laughs> And she goes like hell it is. <laughs> and it's just like you can just tell that everything is fucked. Like just from the way that the guy was like, is there any chance you could speak Ukrainian? You know what I mean? Like it's just Ukrainian. Clearly, clearly it's not the case. And then I, I do love the next um the next scene where, you know, Sil says Polly says he takes full responsibility and it's all on him, but you know, he didn't do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another very just Trumpian line. I mean, unbelievable that um, Mm -hmm. just how it just writes itself. Um, Yeah, I uh, and then at that point, you just know things are going down. And I I have to say, I I love and again, adds to the scariness of the of the episode. But you see that one scene with Phil and then that's it. He just vanishes for the rest of the episode. And there's something really scary and haunting and suspenseful about that. Um, I love it. It's it's well, yeah, because you're. You're dug in with the New Jersey crew after that, and you're just running around and you don't know what's out there. Exactly. And we as the, we as the audience for the first time in a long time don't have any of that broader peripheral vision that knows yeah. kind of what's going on with the New York family. It, it it is scary. And then you know, they everyone's going to their safe houses. Um, I don't know. Should should we take a break? I'm getting carried away here. This is exciting. Yeah, you know, yeah. This, I mean, we have we have, this, we have obviously. This plot the actions to talk about and then of course uh, the melty thing too which is probably <laughs> probably more important than any of this really for the show but of course it's not as exciting well uh, my formal education was in pediatrics but I will try to keep up with this <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah let's take a break and then we'll get to the stuff uh, in, in just a moment
No fucking ZD is brought to you by movie posters, stand ups, standees. We're back. Um, we are back. I love doing this remote recording because, like I said, I watch Goldeneye and it reminds me of when they have to turn the keys at the same time. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's the best action movie trope, I think. Like, it's way up there. Yeah. It's in so it's in everything, too. I feel like the last thing, well, I've seen it kind of recently. Stranger Things, I think, too. It's just, yeah, it's, it's such a trope, but effective, like, every time. Mm-hmm. And now we get to live it. It's really fun. Well, it's really funny how in, Gold, in Goldeneye, even, they even get that really weird where the guy's like, three. And it's like, of course, they're all amazing, cool Russian dudes, you know. And the, the guy's like, <laughs> three, two. Or no, actually, he says my count, which is my favorite, on my count. And then he says three, oh, shit. two, we didn't, we didn't do that. one. And then like when they turn it, it's totally out of rhythm. And that's like an editing thing. But he's like, three, two, yeah. They show one. one at a time. And like, it's just like really fast right after he says one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to have to turn the key at the same time as someone else, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, it's we are kind of, and it is essentially just as high stakes when you think about Recording it, this know? podcast. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, basically. Getting it down, getting the timing right. And, uh, and the fear. I mean, I know we talked about it last week, but the, the fear at the end of hitting stop and just hoping to God that we actually yeah. did fucking record sound. We're revealing all the technical holes real. in our, our podcast, which is really funny. Yeah. Now, finally. Although I feel like, I feel like we're doing an, uh, now I'm, I'm going to jinx it, but we're doing an okay job. I've heard some podcasts, uh, you know, trying to make do during quarantine times. And, um, I think we sound pretty professional and pretty good still. The, the, I mean, it's not exactly the, the way the we, last episode sounded really good compared. I mean, like, by and large, I was really happy. We fight, we got our shit together. Like you know, it took one episode to kind of get the get our sea legs with it a little bit, but you know, yeah. I mean, uh, this is not the way we saw it happening. It's also not the time we saw it happening. I mean, I think we, we expected to be done with this a lot earlier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish we could be in a studio. I emailed Steve Sharippa to see if he wanted to come come on just to say a thing or two because, you know, way, way before he had his own podcast, I always planned on dropping him a line when, when we were giving Bobby his send-off. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously now things are different. He doesn't want us stealing his traffic, I think. Because uh, <laughs> we have, you know, so much profile. But, uh, right. you know, I, I would imagine he saw the email and he was like, didn't I record with you guys like five years ago? Like, and you're like, yeah, you've you only made it? it forward like 10 episodes or something. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess as an aside, we can we can cut this. Um, but I tried to tee up earlier with the uh, observer comments just to you know, comment on his comment about the other podcast. But if we don't want to talk about that, we don't have Wait, to. I don't, but, or we can talk about that as we get I over. don't know what that is. He, in, in his, that article, the screenshot that I sent you, where he's like, you know, <laughs> other people have podcasts, but they're, they're just observers. <laughs> well, we are observers. I mean, we kind of, yeah, I know. I mean, of course, yeah. I thought yeah. that was really funny, yeah. I mean, we, Brendan and I really. I thought it was great. Brendan and I really took it personally, though. You know what I mean? He could have said, except... NFZ, 
those guys really right. get it. But then again, I mean, we didn't really, when we interviewed him, we didn't really like flex on our insight of, you know, the episodes. We just asked him about like, yeah, no. who would be, who would play point guard if he had to <laughs> pick teams from the Jersey family. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, so he might not yeah. even, he might not even realize what, what he was dealing with here with the t- tremendous insight that uh, people come to expect right. from us. Yeah, which we've never really claimed to have. Uh, I just feel like we somehow stumble upon it every so often. I'm not claiming we have it. I'm just saying people expect it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if Uh, if they're happy (laughs) with what they receive in the end. (laughs) But But, uh, I I did love that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things I could say right now that I'm not (laughs) going to say. say. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Uh, should we talk? Should but, we talk about? Uh, no, I mean it was great. It was great. Should we give Bobby a send off? I mean, I don't know. Like this is. Yeah, I didn't like seeing Bobby go. But I it, can't believe we're Bobby here. has to go. You know, like there's no there's no way around that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's the right decision writing wise. I feel like you know. Yeah, I mean he's worked his way up. Um, you know, I mean, it was not something he necessarily wanted. Uh, right, we the, all know that up. he doesn't totally belong there. With everybody, right? right? Um, oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it was, he really, he is there because very similar to Phil wanting to take Tony out, he damaged Tony's pride in some way mm-hmm. with that big fist fight over a Monopoly game. Right. Um, which at the time, <laughs> you know, seems so inconsequential in so many ways, but you can trace the whole scene back to that one moment really is that uh you know they got into a fist fight he beat up tony tony forced him to kill a guy it kind of hardened his personality and he he rose in the ranks because of that and now here he is you know less than a year later Mm -hmm. being murdered because uh he's he's management now which by the way i I wanted to say i i do love the little dig at Polly in that flatbush bikini waxing scene where they're like we're going to take out management. They're like, oh, Polly Walnuts? And like, no, 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 man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Polly... No, the important people. Polly has really... He played this one beautifully, you know? I mean, he's he's managed to yeah. make make it work for a very long time, you know? Somehow, some way. Somehow, yeah. some way. That's really um, true. So, yeah, I mean, the, the hit on Phil goes wrong. And they realized that they just, they never had a chance, um, which is just a sinking, crushing feeling. Right, exactly. And, um, Hang on just you moment. know, from that point on. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, okay, go ahead. Brendan says hi. Now I have to edit this thing. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Maybe I'll just leave that in. Just leave it. All right. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, it, it is. A, it, it's a sinking, crushing feeling that actually makes sense. But much like the coronavirus, I feel like some people mm. don't quite get it. You know, like Sills, like, you know, Sills taking his uh, his payroll stuff. And he's like, well, you know, I got to do this. And and mm-hmm. Patsy's still kind of just like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. we got to get the fuck out of here like right now. You know what I mean? Like he can yeah, really feel yeah. it. But Bobby is just going about his his life and like. I mean, it's too bad that he left his phone in the car, but should Bobby have known how serious the situation was to begin with and to not be at the fucking, like, train store fucking around and reminiscing and all all of that shit? 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. The cell phone thing, the show has aged pretty well, I would say. Yeah. Um, but, like, at you know, we're so attached to our phones at this point in time that there's just no way he would leave a cell phone now, you know? But back then, I could see, uh, you know, especially a guy like Bobby, who's probably not super technologically... Uh, you know, um, or just in tune with, with the new what technology. What makes you say that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Steve Sharipa uh, in real life like, still yeah. carries a flip phone, we should add. That is true. Yeah. That is very true. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that whole sequence, I, There rarely have I watched a show and felt just as, like, nervous as I did in this, ep- in this episode. Right. I mean, I, I can't really think of another time in my TV watching, except for, like, maybe a couple episodes of Game of Thrones, but, like, obviously Game of Thrones is not on the same tier as this show. No. Even before the disappointing last season, it was not necessarily the same. Right. But there were sometimes I'd watch that, and, like, you knew something big was coming, and it was like, oh, shit, there's going to be a big battle this episode. Well, even I'm, before I'm the disappointing kind of first season of Game of Thrones, I didn't think that it was on the same tier. <laughs> yeah, so. Probably true. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. It, it. it took it took me a couple tries to get into that show, and then it became the show that I always thought it was going to be in the end, which is the ultimate disappointment. Well, anyway, it was interesting um, at the beginning how everything took seven fucking years because that's how life was when in medieval times, you know. And uh, right, then they yeah. just like hit the fast yeah. forward button. And it, anyways, all uh, right, this is a different. It's too bad, uh, but anyway, pod. but this I just remember feeling so much anxiety going into this episode and um i mean it's it just it's just so intense you know you knew that the clock was ticking and that it was almost over and you knew something was going to go down and obviously we had had main characters killed off before but knowing that it was like the top three guys knowing that there was nothing they could do it was just you know such a suspenseful but thrilling experience watching this for the first time i mean it's incredible stuff and i mean it, but I mean, it's it still really has that has that uh, effect on me. It's it's a it's yeah. a tough watch. It's packed. So much happens in this episode, you know. Um, yeah. Even the wasting time isn't really wasting time in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. It's all sort of meaningful. Um, but you know, also. Um, to get back to Bobby's cell phone thing, I feel like Bobby just wasn't cut out for this. I mean, who leaves their phone in their jacket and goes to buy model trains when, you know, their family is is under, uh, you know, did he just hear that Phil supposedly got whacked and then uh, just said, oh, great. Well, my, my Wednesday's say, back on, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, come on. I, I was going to say probably that problem. Um, that's the only that's one way to kind of hand wave it away is that maybe he thought that it was over and they were safe. Is Bobby um, out there protesting the stay at home order right now? Is that sort of yes. how we feel? He's like not really taking it seriously enough. Yeah. He has a sign that says going to ground equal communism. And he's <laughs> outside of Tony's house screaming that. And, <laughs> and he's like, I want to go back to work and I want to, I want to buy trains. Yeah. Yeah. He um, wants to buy trains. Yeah. Also his comment about Atlantic train. city was very interesting because Atlantic city is like the worst place in the fucking world. And yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why we had your bachelor party there. <laughs> it was perfect. But like, <laughs> yeah, it's very fitting for us. Weird yeah. reminiscing about Atlantic city and just like the deterioration of, of everything essentially, you know, I mean, right. Well, yeah, I mean, 
I, I mean, I guess I guess we're here now, so we can just go ahead and start talking about these things. But it's uh, you mean like I'm I think, old enough, you know? Yeah, you're old <laughs> enough to hear this now. Finally, um, you know, I think it ties into a lot of the themes that are kind of coming up now, and especially during the finale next week, where uh, and, and the show as a whole. But like these guys spend a lot of times a lot of time reminiscing about a past that may or may not have existed right. and kind of ignoring the things that are going on around them until one day, you know, something like this could happen. And they, they've kind of wasted their lives thinking about, um, you know, uh, just uh, the golden years that maybe never were mm-hmm. and not appreciating what's right in front of them. And um, Well, yeah. now we're now, you know, we're looking back at like, you know, the seasons when Meadow was in high school. And it's like, yeah, back in the day, you know, like. You know, mm-hmm. Tony lighting that cigar at the end of season two, you know, and with the the Keith Richards and the whatnot. I mean, obviously, like we're observers. Um, so so I don't, I don't really know. But uh, we weren't, we weren't there. there. But, um, you know, it, you kind of you get that feeling. I mean, nostalgia is like such an easy thing to feel when something kind of sucks, I guess, you know. Yeah. I mean, and uh, times are hard for them, for sure. no doubt, yeah. you know, but it's someday they're going to be like, yeah, they went to the mattresses and like, you know, they ordered pizza and like all that stuff. Like back in the day, guys used to really stand up, you know, like that kind of thing. I... Yeah, the new guys will be like, yeah, you know, the, the tough guys of old yeah. fight fighting the battle with New York. Yeah. Um, but it's a theme that comes up over and over again on the show and even comes up another time in this episode when... Um, Rosalie and Carmela are looking back at their pictures from Paris. And, you know, if you remember, of course, Carmela had like an existential breakdown in Paris and realized how just fleeting time was and how yep. everything gets washed away and, and nothing matters. And now they look back at these pictures of them laughing and they're like, oh, what a great vacation that was, you know? Well, and I, got, I think that there's a lot that going on in that scene. That's for sure. Yeah, but I think it ties into. Um, the Bobby scene specifically, and then just the overall just theme of the way these guys kind of treat life, and the way we all sort of treat life in a way, where at the time, everything sucks, and we wish we could just go back, and the future seems so scary, but then once um, once the present becomes the past, then all of a sudden you really appreciate what used to be there. Yeah. But you don't always do that in the moment, and uh, if we really understood how quickly things could just go away, mm-hmm. we might be more appreciative of that. Undoubtedly. So, I mean, I think that I will expand on that for the final scene. But yeah. Anyway, I mean, cause nothing happens in the next episode. <laughs> they move back in and Tony may or may not get shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that Rosalie came back. That's, that's a really, really good thing. Yep. I mean, when's the last time we saw Rosalie? I mean, it's gotta be like, season five did did we last see her season five like was she at was she at christopher's daughter's christening perhaps like maybe she was there but we haven't had a real rosalie scene well i mean since, I, I, like, at the end film of film club basically right well paris was was at the end of season six a oh right okay so okay been, all right fine yeah, I don't know anything. It feels it feels longer ago because we it's been a long time for us. Yeah, but yeah. In in the show world, <laughs> don't tell anyone. It was only like eight episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> no one's realized we were gone. Uh, um, yeah. I okay. So I'll just I guess I'll just get right to it because it's great that they have that scene and like, you know, these. Uh, uh, it's more of what you're saying where you know Carmela is living in this place where she's, you know, she doesn't know much yet, 
you know, but she is in denial about um, what's going on and she's about to be told. Mm-hmm. But she's still living in her own world where she's like, oh, look back at this, uh, this, the, you know, they're looking at photos from their from their Paris trip in the middle of all of this fucking insanity. There's one moment that I think is really important, though, and that's and, and it gets a lot of shine in this uh, the way that it's cut together. The photo of Rosalie and Carmela, where they stick their heads mm-hmm. into the things and they're looking at each other. Yeah. There's something about that to me where I, you know, it's like it's the two of them in the same position. You know what I mean? In the photo, like they're doing yeah. the same thing in the photo. And for some reason, that always felt to me like as emblematic that that Carmela and I guess we're, we're going there. Here we go. Um, we're here. Yeah, yeah, we're here. I mean, uh, so I, I'm not firmly in any camp in particular I, I i don't really think that tony definitively dies or anything like that i mean eventually he he will um like everybody but um you know there's something Speak in there where they're drawing a parallel between carmela and um and uh, rosalie that i think is really important yeah. because and and it, it's probably not so literal as like carmela loses her husband um right but there's an omen there, and I think it's more closely related to Rosalie feeling like she's surrounded by death and that that's what has started to sort of consume her life. I think that it's showing that Carmela is, is going to start to, to um, find it difficult to avoid the sadness that is surrounding her. You know, I mean, her son yeah. attempted suicide like what, like a week or two ago or a month ago even? And she's sitting around looking yeah, at photos of her Paris trip. I just, it seems weird. It's yeah. its hinky. She's always in denial. And I think that she's going to be brought to this place where she's going to be having serious problems with everything that's happening in a very real way as Rosalie was forced to, you know, over the course of the series. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. There's something... Um... You know, they're both like queens without their kings. If I, I mean, I know that's weirdly loaded. Is that like, loaded, is I that guess, like but... big hat, no cattle? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just that, yeah, there's something about like them being, you know, these, these like two women in this photo with without their any family around them. And there's something kind of like, there's something ominous about that picture for sure. Yeah. And I think if you are in like the, the Tony dies camp, that's something that will for sure is, is just another thing to add to the list, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. There's, there's something there. Um, but let's, um, I guess let's just like back up a little bit. I mean, the, the Bobby scene, we just haven't really talked about like the details of how it all really goes down. Um, and just the direction and the cutting and the shots of the, the train, you know, going around the tracks and, the little people with their mouths covered, gasping. Like, That's such an interesting uh, choice. It is. I. I. So here's the thing. I, I. I. like it. I've grown to like it more. But there was always something that kind of like was. I don't want to say off-putting, but maybe kind of off-putting. It was, it was just a different choice than I expected to kind of like. Yeah. Cut to those little shots. You know, it was. It was just. It seems kind of out of no. I mean, not out of, out of nowhere, but different for this kind of show, where normally someone just kind of walks in, gets shot, and the people who shot them walk out. Right. Um, 
And maybe it's partly just funny to me that someone like Bobby, who for a long time was just kind of like a joke on the series, gets like far and away the most dramatic death scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's such a weird, it's just weird, really, is what it comes down to. Um, it's really cool, and the cutting adds to the suspense in a lot of ways. And I like the train falling on him at, at the end and, and everything. And uh, yeah, just a bizarre, weird scene. It's interesting because it's 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 a little bit fantastical. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's exactly that's what the because yeah. the you know the people, the train people. I don't know what you call it, the model people, like the action figures, <laughs> the dolls. Um, you know they have those expressions. That's not those aren't standard issue dolls, right? Yeah, like they're covering their mouths and like looking shocked. Right, but I guess well maybe they were. I mean, I mean that I don't know. Like usually they're like la di da. I'm chopping wood or I'm you know filling this crate or isn't that what like train people do? But they're always doing yep, some like manual labor. You know. Um, walking to the store like really reductive like basic like <laughs> old timey life um but i don't know it's like really it's just such a strange thing that i've i've come to really appreciate in the way that he dies and i don't know i don't know how significant it is i well let's put it this way i don't need it to be significant because i think it's just like a choice that is sort of bold and that like works really really yeah. well for me at least you know um, yeah, yeah, yep. And it's and all of all of the deaths in this episode, really. Well, all of the shootings in this episode, we should say, have little details in them that are really interesting. You know, Syl decides not to carry a gun on his person, you know, like as they're right. leaving the bank. And this is his main problem. Like, that's just the oddest thing. Like, I, I guess that just goes to your point about them not really taking it seriously enough. Um, Patsy has his gun on him and gets away. Patsy's ready to go. Yeah, he's ready to rock and roll, and he's pushing them to. You know, had he listened to Patsy and not and not grabbed his uh, his payroll stuff, he would have gotten the fuck out of there. You know, in time. Yeah. Um, did we jump to the uh, the other shooting too quickly? Did you have more to say about about? No, Bobby? no, no, no. Okay. Um. Uh, no, I mean, the only thing I would have to say, really, I mean, there is, of course, the reference to you never hear when it happens. And uh, Bobby certainly does. <laughs> He's yes. very well aware of what's happening. And um, that's the interesting that's thing. That's all I'll say about that right now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby certainly does hear it. But they also shoot him like a lot. Like way more. He's, he stands up tall. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he's a, takes a, lot of he's a big guy. He's a big guy. I guess they need to shoot him yeah. a lot to really make sure he's dead. I guess that's that's what they would do, I suppose. I mean, but I don't know. Yeah. Like they they're like really let him have it for a while. And um I don't know. It's it, it is just an interesting sequence because not only do they do the cuts to the the train people. We'll we'll get back to you on what those people are called. I'm sure there's a technical term. <laughs> um but yeah, no offense. No offense, train people. Um, but they, uh, you know, they, they, they do that stuff, the trains, the POV train shot. And then, you know, also him getting shot like 16 times over the course of like 10 seconds, you know? And it's like, that's, it's like overkill in, in, in certain ways, 
But I guess it's just a really good send-off, you know, in other ways. It is a great send-off. And also, I mean, this episode in general is kind of like, hey, you know, for the people who thought that we weren't making the mob show you wanted us to make, it's like, well, here, we we, we can make that show when we want to make that show. Right. Here's, like, this amazing, glorious, like, Scarface-esque send-off to one of our characters. Um, but it's not fun but, anymore. Again, the- Everybody's, like... It's not a fun. little bit had it. They're like, oh, this is actually like really scary. And like you're sort of feeling the right the, the vibe. And if they had done it, if they had done it every week, it's like, you know, who well, who cares? You know, this episode yeah. carries so much weight because these are characters that have been around for so long. And now, you know, here, we're here. They go. We're watching it go down. I mean, the, the New York, New Jersey war in general has been teased since like. I mean, really the end of season four, I guess, yeah. kind of, or I guess really season five, but a long time. And in real time, it took, you know, it starts, five, it starts with the, it starts with the Billy Leotardo stuff, right? Like that's basic. Or no, no, the, yeah, but the I guess I'm just thinking like, the, what's her name? Uh, the mole on Ginny Sack's ass. We get it there right. too. So that's season four. Yeah. 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 Um, and true to life, I mean, you know, the mob doesn't have all these all-out wars all that often, so the show couldn't just do that every season. Um, but now that we're finally getting it, it's like, okay, well, here's what you wish for. And on the one hand, it's a really just exciting, fun, amazing piece of TV. On the other hand, it's like, well, damn, these are the people we actually really liked <laughs> and don't want to see that happen. Well, it's too, it's it's certainly are. harrowing, but it's also just like, it's <laughs> once again, it's a lot of waiting around. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of eating and, you know, just like this is what life is like, as Carmela puts it, you know. But then mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they, we still get some funny stuff happening, you know, like when they get to the safe house mm-hmm. and Polly's like yelling about getting paper plates and stuff. You know, some of this stuff is a little bit a little bit hilarious because some things just never change. Yeah, they still find ways to throw humor in. Um, Polly commenting on Rhiannon's legs and just being like, it's so good to be young, isn't it? Like, AJ, just, you know, he's got the world by the balls, just, basically. Just fucking like, this girl. Little, little details like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, she, she yeah, is 15. Some good stuff. She, supposedly. Is that what, really? I Yeah. That's what AJ um, claims in the final episode. He goes, she's 15. And everyone's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, he's supposed to be, well, I guess he's like over 21 at this point, right? Yeah, but she's also, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's no, it's a little bit silly. Uh, let's just put it this way. I don't feel bad for also noticing her legs. You know what I mean? She's This is clearly a... Tw- <laughs> well, in real life, she was not. She's 15. clearly a 23-year-old, you know, exactly. Um, right. But um, <laughs> look at the stems on Blondie. He's riding high. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact that Polly can still squeeze out a, <laughs> you know, like in this in this day and age and, you know, during all of this bullshit, that's just, that's Polly. you know, he's been through this before. This is kind of like old hat in a lot of ways, you know? Um, yeah. He just sees going to the mattresses as like a, a real pain in the ass. Um, yeah. But I don't know. You can, you can sort of look at it however you want to look at it, but it's just like, it, it's, he's the guy who's like, no, this sucks. Like you don't want to do this. You know what I mean? And right. it's like when you're a teenager, you're like, Ooh, I might get braces. You know, that might be exciting, but then you get them and you're like, Oh dude, this is the <laughs> worst, you know, like, Oh yes. Or like 
something. Uh, I don't know. He's just got such an interesting perspective, but he's the only one that gets it. Like, like we said, Syl, you know, is, is, is dragging ass getting out of the bing. He's got the, uh, the gun in his bag and not handy, you know, which is a little bit insane. Mm -hmm. Um, Patsy gets away, which is him running is like kind of, he's so slow. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I mean, there's, and then, I mean, I, I, I love the way that that scene ends with all of the people like because you still get some good comedy in there where, you know, the guy turns and there's all these people and they're the strippers and they turn and they run away, you know, like <laughs> there's also a, a priest among the crowd, which is really funny. To right. Like, it's incredible like stuff. Dead center middle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I I guess you could also draw some kind of comparison to the people at the bang and those those little train people as well. I mean. They're all kind of sitting there gawking at this violence, mm-hmm. and um, and then I guess you could also make a, draw some comparisons to uh, good old Kennedy and, and Heidi as well, right. people who uh, are kind of like observers to all of this, uh, not totally involved um, directly, I guess. But right. in some ways, it it kind of just breaks up the day. It's the same. It's the the car crash outside of Satrials in season two when. It's just like kind of like whoa, something exciting's happening. Let's let's go look. Right. And I think that, of course, you could make the the uh, connection to David Chase kind of saying, "Well, that's you guys, the audience, who are encouraging this violence, and 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 you can't help but stare and, and rubberneck and and watch all the violence." But like, is this? It's kind of asking you, like, is this really worth it? You know, like these are people you rooted for for years and. Do you really want to see them get killed and, huh, yeah. you know, watch all this stuff go down? I mean, that's a really interesting uh, point. Maybe. I mean, I like that. I also think that the the motorcyclist is a little bit of a fuck you to the audience, which I really like. You know, the, yeah, the guy getting yeah. hit and it's like, hey, because the thing is that motorcyclist like getting hit by a car is way harder to watch than any of the shootings I feel, I don't know. Like if for some reason that feels so gruesome and that's cause it's this total random yeah. guy, you know, like who gets well, yeah. hit by a car on the Jersey turnpike or whatever f- freeway or highway that is like, it's, it's hard to see him, you know, get, get, get hit by a car like that. And it feels, yeah, it feels really gruesome and really, Oh, that must've hurt. And it, it feels realistic. Yeah. I mean, you're getting, yes. Yeah, for sure. But he's yeah, the innocent I mean, guy, that's, that's, you know uh, what I mean? And so I like that it kind of pokes at yeah. you and goes, hey, don't forget, though, like real people getting hurt and, uh, you know, by these guys is actually the real problem. That's the real evil that's happening, you know, like. Right. There's collateral damage. In the end, we shouldn't. Well, but but these guys are also like roughing up civilians all the time. That's how they make a living. You know what I mean? The, the, people are always mm-hmm, getting hurt by mm-hmm. them. And, you know, I just feel like. I just feel like it's it's um, you know we shouldn't care about whether you know whether Sill makes it or not you know because he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the episode starts with him you know killing a guy in his home. Yeah, uh, and then like leaving the body there for the guy's wife to come home from mass. I mean, it's brutal. I mean, let's not forget. Um, yeah, he's the but, guy who uh, smacked around as you know like strippers Tracy. and like Tracy, like all this. This is a yeah. terrible dude. The guy who killed Adriana, you know, and now we're like, fuck, is he going to make it? Is he okay? Right. You know? But I think, at, uh, so if David Chase is criticizing the audience, I think at the same time, he's also like, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy this, too. I know that he's talked about that how much he, he loves mob movies as well. I mean, he loves Goodfellas. He's referred to Goodfellas as, like, his Koran, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there is just... I, I don't think it's so... Um, I don't mean it's antagonistic. I, I, just kind of like, I don't mean it's antagonistic. Yeah, I just no. mean to say that, like, he clearly... Like well, just, the, the motorcycle guy just like wakes up your senses a little bit, where yeah. you're like, why totally. does it? Why you know? Why do my? Why do I feel pain inside of my groin when I see that guy get hit by a car, as opposed to like when still gets shot in the shoulder blade? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's a reason yeah, for yeah, that, totally. and it's because Sill's <laughs> an asshole. You know, He's, this is a uh, right. this is a bad guy. You know. Same, He's a very bad guy. Same yeah. with the Patsy and Patsy and Bobby were probably like the best of them, you know. But Patsy has certainly done his share, and you know the the nipples and the the seats and the whatnot. You know, we've seen Patsy show his teeth every yeah. now and then, and right. But he's with her, so I mean, he's with her. He's, he's definitely he's, a Hillary voter like, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's definitely complaining about the yeah. Bernie Bros during this election. It's like these people, <laughs> they won't listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, lot, a uh, lot of crazy, you know, some crazy shit coming down. I mean, we've never really seen an episode like this. We've had our action-packed episodes before, but right. now it's a direct attack on on our guys, on our cool guys, our happy little boys, and yeah, um, yeah. you know, uh, it's it's really just it's just super intense and. Um, I love Tony just being super serious when he comes home to tell Carmela and Rosalie comes in and asks, you know, is there anything I can do? Should I just leave? And he's just kind of like really intensely nodding in the background. Can't even really say the words, but like, yeah. it's just like, this is the real. And deal. she gets it and just um, leaves. She's been through this. She knows what's yeah. going on. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I feel like we should touch upon um, Janice and, uh, I guess AJ will probably talk about more oh, next God. week, but Jan- the, but the Janice stuff is kind of wild. The Janice stuff is just, I mean, honestly, maybe some of the worst, the worst parts of the episode, because now you just realize these, her kids or Bobby's kids and, uh, and their baby are just completely fucked. <laughs> oh, now they have Janice's. Oh, I know. When she's Janice's like, Janice's big parent. girls don't cry. Babies cry. It's just like, Oh my God, oh, she's terrible. God. She's just become terrible without, yeah. without Bobby. There is just no chance for any of these people, you know? It's, yeah, very sad. Um, yeah, she's uh, in, a, in a show of mobsters. I mean, I guess she's killed before, but in a show of uh, of, true. of multiple, you know, people have killed multiple people. Um, she still somehow ranks as just one of the absolute worst. And uh, yeah, man, I feel very bad for Bobby Jr. and uh, Dominica and... Um, Karen Jr. I forget her name right now. So, Karen but. Jr. <laughs> yeah. We'll just, we'll just say that. No, I totally agree. I mean, and, but the, you know, this whole, it, it's, I think that her visit is a really good reminder of what you're talking about, which is that like the hustle never ends. These guys, she's, she's a mafioso, mm-hmm. but she's like a domestic mafioso. You know what I mean? Like she's there trying to cajole, uh, basically trying to stick Tony with this tap she's sick of paying it or she doesn't want to pay it. You know what I mean? And, you know, she feels like, you know, who knows where this came from? Like, you know, Bobby still was in touch with junior a while back and actually like went to see him and stuff like that. Maybe, 
you know, maybe Bobby mm-hmm. is noticing that Junior is about to do this and wants to like throw some money his way. But maybe Janice is saying, you know what, let's not do that. I'm going to go hassle my brother about it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll never know the answer to this stuff, but just the fact that she felt that it was sort of a good idea to bring that up with Tony, I think just says it all, you know, like she is yeah. definitely on the hustle all the time. And we don't know how she benefits yeah. from this specifically, but we can rest assured she would benefit from it, you know? Well, yeah. Cause I mean, we should point out that the scene, uh, almost immediately after that is Bobby's death where he's buying an $8,000 toy tank toy train set good god so it's like they are i'm sure they don't have tony money but they if you know they, if he has money to buy that i'm sure he could spend a little bit on well he's, he really wanted he's to. the boss but then again i mean the boss's uh brother-in-law and they don't have a mortgage payment from what we understand um right so they, you know the, yeah they're they're doing okay but also you know tony really kind of says some fucked up shit to, to Janice right here. You know, it's kind of, it's ironic that Bobby gets killed right after this conversation. You know what I mean? So he does, but I have to say it makes me laugh that referencing a Rolling Stones album is what makes Janice be like, don't say that. Like as if that was some kind of like real, I know I actually looked it up because I was like, is that, is that like a real like saying, does that have meaning behind it? And it doesn't. No, it's just the the name of the album. It just sounds yeah. like it does, <laughs> you know. Right. I mean, I guess it does. Like you hear but, the name so, Exile on Main Street, you're like, oh, it must be a thing. You know what I mean? Like, like Beggar's Banquet was another right. Stones album, but that's not a thing. You know that they just were really good at coming <laughs> up with names for this shit. You know, uh, those are pretty good names. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I love how just offended and emotional she gets. Like he says all this mean shit leading up to that and then references the Rolling Stones and <laughs> immediately she's like, Hey, <laughs> don't, don't say, say that. that. Yeah. I mean, but I, I do like the way that Tony says those lines, you know, like you, you, you I forget how, what, what exactly he says. You, you, you bring them along. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you help a guy out, <laughs> you bring him along and for what, you know what I mean? Like, he's just acting like he's. Well, I don't know. I mean, is this is this is this merited? You know, uh, him feeling completely betrayed by Bobby with uh, with Janice coming and asking for money for Junior. I mean, I, I don't think so. I also think that if Tony sat down and was kind of reasonable about it, he would obviously understand that Junior was not junior anymore you know it wasn't like junior like intentionally shot tony in this way where he was like i'm gonna go downstairs and shoot my nephew like he clearly was out of his mind but tony is like choosing to ignore that in some ways and take it personally and it's just kind of like you know well i mean not that not that i expect him to just pay for his nursing home or his retirement community or his (laughs) whatever Um, but whatever was behind all that shit is like is you know much like phil where he's kind of looking for a reason you know like, mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that, um, you know, Tony knew that Junior tried to kill him, you know, for a long time, but was just trying to like, you know, like blood from a stone, trying to get some love out of someone in his family and just couldn't manage yeah. to do it. And yeah. so, you know, this was sort of <laughs> it's weird saying it about this, but this was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, in, in many ways. 
Um, I guess that's true. And so by the the straw breaking the camel's back, I mean Junior shooting him, Um, which again (laughs) sounds strange, but in this family, I guess it makes sense. Uh, You know, so it's just it's just one of those things where I think that he has every right to be super pissed about it. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I think that's some. Yeah. So I think that's some classic. You figure it out, shit. Like, don't bother me about this. You know what I mean? I guess so. I guess I'm ex- maybe I'm expecting too much from Tony there. Well, I mean, I don't like, know. If you were me, I'd be like, okay, clearly this guy is, you know, not right in the head. Well, I guess like, I'm also ignoring all of the history that they I, have from when Tony was a kid. Because I'm thinking from like you know when they started onward in like '99 or whatever. But like, right. You know, there was no, the it's, whole, it's there's like 30 years yeah. of his, you know, playing catch and buying AJ surfboards and shit like that. Right. Well, I guess, I mean, segue, because uh, we got to get to this. But I, I guess I just expect as, as a person who has been in therapy that Tony might be able to see, okay, my uncle was not in the right state of mind when all this went down. I can forgive for now, you know, or I can understand that, like, as someone who's understands that the mind is a curious thing i can uh, i i get that maybe he wasn't all there well he's all he's, um, he's, he's he know. is pinning a lot of things on junior oh let's let, let's be honest you yeah. know because junior is alive yeah. his mother died you know and wasn't able to sort of face the music as far as how angry tony was but um true you know junior i think is 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 standing in for a lot of people including his dad very you true. know um well, that's it. I finally yep. finished my dissertation. Uh, my, <laughs> Incredible. My PhD is done. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Evan. Uh, that's what I would do. If I were right, a child psychologist, get... I'd be like, you can call me Dr. Evan. People would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Not creepy. No. Um, all right. So let's get to, I mean, honestly, you know, the action is the most fun and the, the mob stuff is much more fun. But I mean, probably the single most important scene of, of this final series of episodes is when Melfi finally decides to dump Tony. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, we, <laughs> we start the series, literally the first shot of the series is Tony and Melfi's waiting room. Mm-hmm. And so we talk a lot about how we talk a lot about endings on this show and plot versus story. And this is really in a lot of ways where Tony's story ends, I think, because mm-hmm. it's a show about, a mobster going to therapy, and can that guy change? And the answer, finally, I mean, we've known it for a long time, but finally here is that no, he cannot change for a number of reasons. Um, So, yeah, I mean, in some ways, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, In some ways, it feels like it happens maybe too fast. But on the other hand, it's been building up for so long. Well, this episode is an episode that's built on people like waiting for a reason. You know what I mean? I think that I think Melfi sort of had it. Phil's sort of had it. Tony, you know, everybody's kind of had it with like the way that Mm -hmm. things are. And I think that, you know, I mean, uh, Melfi even has her sort of like death knell of, you know, Tony of embodying Tony in moments because, you know, Kupferberg is being like a total dick at the at that like dinner party or whatever. 
Um, yeah, like un- unethical professionally and on a personal level too. Well, just, and let's you know. I, actually, to tell you the truth, my mom, who's a therapist, said that a lot of people, especially because she practices in Southern California, you know, so there are a lot of famous people around. Um, she's Michael Jordan's mm. therapist, is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, she she said that that episode actually caused a lot of trouble for especially people who are like sort of high profile who are in therapy. There was a lot of mistrust that went around when that episode oh, happened because people were like, Hey, are you guys at dinner parties? Like talking about how I'm, you know, talking about like whatever I'm up to, you know? Um, and so it caused a little bit of a, a row in the, in the therapy, uh, therapeutic community, uh, when that, that, that episode hmm. aired. Interestingly enough, fun fact. Yeah. Um, and it may have only been with people who are like sort of on the, on the famous side or something like that. But, um, yeah, um, it certainly set some sort of precedent where, because that's not realistic. Like, just to be clear, like I've been at plenty of therapy dinner parties and they're totally boring. It's that no one's talking about their patients and, and they're not very often talking about, um, actual therapeutic stuff. Not as often as you'd think, I suppose. But um. uh, I believe it. I mean, I guess I, I, I assume that that probably just kind of happened a little bit. They weren't naming names or dropping hints like female singer and gangster, you know, which is yeah, just like exactly. the stupidest shit ever. But I kind of assume that they would at least talk about it. But then again, um, I would imagine that in real life, yeah, most people would be professional about it, but they might at least like reference kind of, you know, something going on. Um, but at the same time, most people aren't helping gangsters and there, there is maybe a different kind of like uh, blurry line there with that in some ways. Right. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, people are talking about research and, you know, um, talking about people uh, anonymously in their research and things like that. But yeah, it's not that that dinner party vibe. Like you know, like they have in in this in this episode, um, right. but the Yoshelson thing is an actual. That's a real paper that was written. Yeah, I I, I did go and, and read a little bit of that, and um, I can confirm that it is a real thing. And the shots they show of the text are in fact actually in that paper. Uh, yep. I'm not smart enough to totally decode all of it, <laughs> but no. um, yeah, I mean, and it makes some sense. And really, in so many ways. Um, we've sort of we've known this we've for known a this. long time. Yes, I mean, and and I was going to say too that um, you know Melfi also kind of did too. I mean, when you really go back to the pilot episode when she's like, "I have to stop you and just say that technically I I'm not supposed to know about this or I can't talk to you about this." Technically, you know, she has that little that kind of flirty little moment with Tony there from the from the right. get go. Um, and I think we often talk about Melfi being like the only moral person on the show who's like actually separated from the life. But then you kind of go back and think about it. And it's like, well, yeah, from the beginning, she knew who Tony was. She adds this technically. She and then also has helped him out in so many ways. I mean, she doesn't always know that. But but well, you know. well and she's she's flirted with it a lot, you know, and she brings it into her life. Like when she and, you know, uh, when she's uh at the dinner party, for example, like the, the last example of it on the show is when that guy says all Italians have big noses mm. and she 
and she says, you know, if I said that about other groups represented at this table, then, uh, you know, I don't know who she's talking about, group of therapists, but, you know, um, you tell me. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, if I said that about other, uh, other, other groups represented at this table, you know, then I would have been called a bigot. And that's totally Tony's poverty of the mezzo giorno bullshit. You know what mm. I mean? It's like she takes that on as a defensive posture. She defends him by embodying him, you know, right. but but she took a moment and actually um, I, I, I think that maybe also sort of talking about it with her other um, colleagues who are like, oh, I thought it was so interesting. And it, like they make it into this bougie kind of weird thing. Mm hmm. I feel like maybe that helped to push her over the edge a little bit where it's like sort of exposed, so. yeah. you know, to I the world. So. And she's like, oh, wait, this is actually something that I can't harbor anymore. It's not just me and Kupferberg, you know? Right. I mean, in a lot of ways, like so many other people on the show, she is just really susceptible to what the people around her think, you know, like how many times mm -hmm. have you heard Tony say like, well, what are all the guys going to think if I, you know, if, if they hear about me being in therapy or whatever, you know, like suddenly when she's put on the spot in front of all these colleagues and friends and feels what would happen if she was socially isolated from them, she feels like embarrassed and, you know, like a fool, I guess, for believing Tony. And suddenly she has to be like, she doesn't want to be ostracized, you know? Well, but also, I mean, it's, but, but in many ways it's like, it's like Car what Carmela goes through. It's what a lot of people go through when they have to say out loud, like what they've been putting up with, it feels a lot different than, you know, yeah. what you can kind of get yourself to, to, to put up with and kind of, you know, wiggle, navigate your way through when it's just like kind of kept under wraps, you know, and like you can go two ways with it. You can either feel, you can either get more defensive, which is what happens with Carmela, mm -hmm. uh, like when she tries to go to therapy and she, you know, and then she finally like, she sort of gerrymanders her own therapy where she like winds up going to the priest who finally says it in a way that she can, that she approves of. And then she's right. like, great, I'll go with that. You know? Yeah. Um, and like, uh, Melfi's like a much more honorable woman in that way. And it's right. finally been sort of like exposed, um, to, to the public in a way where it actually does feel really awful. And it feels more awful, apparently, than, you know, than with her ex-husband. Because didn't her ex-husband find out about it? Yeah. As well? Yep. And, and um, I mean, he was he pushing on her, but it became more of a, you know, an ex-spouse type of issue than a professional right. one, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he knew right away. Um but she kind of accused him of worrying more about Italian stereotypes than anything else. So interesting oh, then yeah, that yeah. that comes up now in the dinner scene. Um, yeah. Uh, and so we get to the final scene between Tony and Melfi, which again, I mean, in, a, in, in the episode with all this killing and murder and exciting action, of course, kind of gets like almost forgotten in a way, or at least I, you know, I, I know the scene happens and I think about it, but I don't I think of Blue Comet as being like the episode where Bobby gets killed, you know, but this mm -hmm. is like such a pivotal moment and um, such an incredible acting moment for both of them. Uh, they both lost at the Emmys this year uh, to Catherine Heigl and James Spader, but uh, yeah. <laughs> they should yeah. have won for this scene because it's just really incredible. Um, and so much legwork and groundwork goes into it. 
Tony Catherine Heigl. Jesus yeah, for, Christ for Grey's Anatomy, I, I believe. But the worst show. Yeah, still going. I mean, when we talk about lesser shows, that's the only that's one. The one. We're, that's the one. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> and I don't care who knows. Um, but uh, the legwork and that goes into the scene when you think about it, Tony ripping out the meat recipe at the very beginning of the scene. Uh, which, of course, goes back to the season three epiphany he had about his mom and meat and the guy's pinky getting chopped off. Um, Oh, my gosh. This is a good point. Yeah. But also, like, the Departures magazine, the worst magazine. I mean, (laughs) it's terrible. Another dated moment, because now you just snap a picture of that on your your phone and you have an an HD picture of that recipe. But he had a razor. He could have done it. But like, whatever. Right. Know. That's true. Resolution uh, probably wasn't quite high enough. He knows this. You know, he's like, well, yeah, he's like, well, I'm out of storage. So, you know, I can't take the picture. Yeah. Well, and that, that cookie way. shit makes him nervous anyway. Um, <laughs> but the, the whole, yeah, the way it goes down, I mean, they really play up the ambiguity um, because on the one hand, you know, you're feeling for Tony. They open the scene with him feeling genuinely upset about Meadow, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I know that Tony is kind of being selfish there in some ways, but I think that I'm not a parent yet, but I think that that's a fairly common thing for the parents to kind of be um, upset or worried about the life choices their kids are making and feeling slightly disappointed. Well, and also, and- he, he, he does definitely, like, start to mirror... Um, Carmela a little bit where she's just like never happy with any choices that anyone makes like essentially yeah like it's like in any direction she's always like well thank god we're through that but like she's kind of like into it or she's just always contradicting herself and I feel like that's that's sort of one thing that Tony's falling into a little bit but he yeah I think it does start out like sincere Mm -hmm. but Tony can't escape the fact that he can't he's you know we learned about this in kennedy and heidi like he can't fake this for that long he's like but you know this is costing me two thousand bucks a day and it's like all right already you know what i mean like that's essentially what he says and he can't kind of keep up the ruse for too long you know he's concerned about himself this sucks for him and that's that's his main thing you know well, yeah, but I mean, but it's complicated at the same time, because, of course, we all go through a range of emotions when we're dealing with something, you know, and why wouldn't Tony as well? You know, I'm I, right. I, again, I mean, I am not sold on him being just a 100 percent sociopath. I think that like, even as mm. as Melfi says earlier in that dinner scene, she's just kind of like, well, who's to say? who really is a sociopath because it's just really hard to say. I mean, like any human being, he's a person who's made just a ton of choices. It's just like nine times out of 10, he makes the absolute worst one possible and for, and is able to kind of live with that, which is unusual of course. And so I hear you, but I hear you, but I have an answer with who's to say, and that's like psychological experts. Like we're not who's to say, I guess. we don't know anything about this. Yeah. But like, yeah. just to play devil's advocate here, because I agree, it's not black and white. No one's all bad, right? Right. But well, like, yeah. but you do like to play devil's advocate. This is a little bit like someone who's stoned being like, I can't believe that like a plant is illegal. It's just a plant. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like, yeah, but it's different. You know what I mean? Like, we have to throw out a lot of information to be like, I don't know who's bad and who's good. You know, right. like it, it takes an awful lot of kind of 
twisting your brain to get there. But so, yeah. I mean, but I'm just saying, I do agree. It's not black and white. He's mostly bad, but I do think that there's a thing there, you know, he knows how to take those emotions that are real and that are sincere and that, you know, legitimately make him feel bad and use them to sort of justify uh, the worst things. He goes, oh, I'm feeling a real feeling. I'm just going to lump all this other shit in there that I don't really know how to process because it's so horrific. Yeah, totally. I mean, and even as she's kicking him out, he's like, with my son in the hospital for trying to commit suicide. And on the one hand, you're like, yeah, you know, what the fuck? Like, what kind of therapist kicks her patient out in that moment? On the other hand, well, we've seen Tony use sadness, quote unquote, before to right. his advantage. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to say that he is a good person. Um, but I think that, again, it was a question of whether or not he could be redeemed or whether or not he could change. And I think Tony, mm-hmm. Tony minus the occupation as mob boss potentially could have because when you're a mob boss changing requires accepting the fact that you've like murdered multiple people and you probably have to do some jail time for that and give up the money you've made and give up the lifestyle. And so like, there's lots of things Mm -hmm. just kind of like working against him ever really making any kind of change or progress in general. Well, even when we look at Kevin Finnerty, Kevin Finnerty was fixing to cheat on his wife, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like that. I, I think that, 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 that connects directly to what you're saying, which is like, that's Tony Soprano minus mob boss, which is like, yeah, he's Kevin Finnerty was like, you know, on the straight and narrow, as they say, at least legally, you know, but he was still kind of like ready to throw down with that woman who looks so familiar, but I can't remember what she was in, right. you know, in, in the uh, in the coma sequence. Right. And, you know, he, he snatched the brass ring five years straight, but he still wants to step out on his wife like. People can still have issues and not be a ma- you know like a murderer and a thief. Yeah, and uh, in yeah. fact, everybody does. Agreed. I mean, I guess that's, that's the, the other thing. Point. It's like, in so many Except ways, us. like right. <laughs> no, we're great, right. uh, but in so many ways, Tony is a stand-in for everybody. It's just that like there's a hyper realism to it, or maybe that's not the right word, but he is. You know, we all have these problems that he has. It's just that he is also a criminal murderer who like. Mm-hmm. for most of us changing requires like being like okay from now on i'm not gonna procrastinate i'm not going to not work out i'm not going to whatever for him it would be like no i um i have to accept the fact that i've done illegal things and probably have to do jail time and multiple life sentences and all this other right. shit and accept the fact right. that holy shit i've done all this i've i'm, I'm just I'm a poisonous toxic person and i have been forever mm-hmm. um so I mean, yeah, on the one hand, does this episode, does Melfi's choice feel like it comes out of seemingly nowhere in the past like week or two? You know, it it feels fast, but it's something that I think you're right. I mean, I think it is kind of this episode in general is choices that people have made a long time ago, but kind of weren't really able to like verbalize or do anything about them quite yet. And now they're finally doing those things. I mean, that's what happens. Everyone's had a fight with their significant other where it's just like, I can't believe you didn't hit clear on the microwave, you know, (laughs) 
so that the clock comes back on like I, what the fuck you know what I mean? but right. it's really about something else you know right. and that's that's really what we're dealing with here just on like kind of like this like enormous scale where it's phil leotardo being upset about his brother and you know wanting to take out a whole family and just like expressing this fucking crazy rage and then you know tony having all of this rage toward uh basically everyone in his family and taking it out on junior and Junior deserves some of that. And then, you know, Melfi having all of this crazy rage toward toward Tony and being kind of confused. And like, I think that I, I firmly believe that Melfi has had a really hard time because of the fact that she chose to continue seeing Tony. I mean, we see in I forget which season it is. She's drinking. She's gaining weight. You know, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. This is hard stuff to to deal with. And she has the right kind of the right idea in season two when she says, get out of my life, which is, mm-hmm. um, I think we pointed it out. It's a callback to Goodfellas. Um, mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's the line that, that Karen says to, uh, to Ray Liotta. <laughs> he's, I'm sorry. He's Ray Liotta in every movie. I don't care. Henry Hill. Henry, um, Hill. Henry Hill, but he's Ray Liotta. Um, like, I mean, she says get out of my life like a trillion times in, in Goodfellas. But uh, so if we didn't point that out in the original, then redeem us. <laughs> we're going to um, edit that in now. We'll splice it in. Yeah. Great. Yeah. If you re-upload it, just don't change the play count. That's all. Right. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Um, but, you know, she has the right idea in season two when she's saying get out of my life, when she still sort of has her wits about her. A, a lot like a uh, cowboy therapist who says, you know, I've seen analyze this. I don't really want to get involved. But that's what happens with people who are abused and taken advantage of is they start to turn it inward. They start to see it as their own fault. And I like that this is sort of this is vintage Melfi a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. this is this is her actual this is her soul jumping back in the real person that she is untainted by Tony being strong and being like, yeah, but fuck you. You know, Mm -hmm. sorry, your kid tried to kill himself. Yeah, but fuck you. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Sorry, you got to get out of here. And I love how she saw him tear the page out of the magazine and doesn't mention it until way later. Yeah, it's it's sort of beating him at his own game because that's very mafioso. You save you keep it in your back pocket. You get done what you need to get done. And then and then, you you know, you smile in his face and then, you know, 50 years later, he gets it or whatever. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Um, you know, she might as well have brought that up years later. You know, the my departures magazine from two years ago, <laughs> that steak recipe. Um, it's it's just uh, I think it's marvelous the way that it happens. And also one of the things that 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 I notice with this scene is that it's Tony kind of up to his old tricks. Yeah. And like the way that but the way that it's written makes it so much more either. He's like getting a little bit sloppy with it and like a little bit too ham fisted and obvious or like, I don't know the way it's presented to us as the audience is we can see it. We're no longer exactly. seduced by him either. Exactly. And you're just like, uh, it's like, it's kind of hard to watch because he's just really like yes. playing the world's smallest violin in a lot of ways. I think that's what changed is that this is the one of the first or one of the few therapy scenes where we're not going in with Tony's point of view. We're actually like seeing the scene through Melfi's eyes, which has happened a couple times before. Um, oh, good point. 
Uh, but the, yeah, the rape. Uh, yeah, yeah, but this is but a lot different. I think that's exactly right. And I think so once you kind of go in with the knowledge, the same knowledge that Melfi has, and then you see it through her point of view, it's just kind of like, oh, this is really uh, just sickening. I mean, maybe sickening is too extreme, but yeah, it is icky, you know? It's icky. That's the right word. Yeah. yeah. it's. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah, you can just see Tony for who he is. Um, which is, and, and it makes you think like, well, how could you do this once a week for like 10 years? I would dread that, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's like of course you're, of course you're impossible to before. be around. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'd be drinking a lot of vodka. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, in many ways it, it is like almost the true ending to the, the story of Tony that we were introduced to all these years ago, all these seasons ago. Um, and so a really pivotal monumental scene. I mean, it's, it's played so, uh, straight, like there's no big blow up necessarily. They're not screaming at each other. <coughs> They're not like referencing a million things from every other season or it's just, well, it's incredibly adversarial. They're kind of like playing chess with one another, you know, they are like, she's, she's like, well, like, she's like, <laughs> my favorite line is your fucking wife, you know, um, mm-hmm. I love it when she says that and uh, like, you know, just the way that, that that they move it. And then he's like his last sort of like his hail Mary is with my, with my son, you know, attempting suicide. Exactly. Yeah. And she, it, and she ducks funny. that punch beautifully. Yeah. You know? But it's, it's a hail Mary, but, it, but also it's like, well, yeah, but you know, as a therapist, don't you now's the time to help. But at the same time, it's yeah, it's a ploy. It's it's really it's just a complicated, ambiguous, well written, well acted scene, well directed scene. Because um, of course they end it with that amazing Godfather reference of her closing the door to him, and just kind of being like, "This is you know you'll never really be a part of this. This is not Fuck, for you." This is, you know, this is a Godfather reference. Yeah, to uh, Kay getting the door shut on yeah, her. Right. It's like you will Fuck, never. I never really, caught that. Um. You'll never really be a part of like you can't really step into my world or something. I mean, obviously Tony was never yeah. gonna like he, Tony would never have been invited to that dinner with Kupferberg and all those other guys. Anyway, well, and he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have wanted to go. It's a bunch of squares, right? But let, I just be but, honest. But but at the same time, she's shutting him out of this of this of this world. Yeah. So oh, this is this is very true. I mean, yeah. that's a really interesting point. I think that it's I think it's a killer final scene. I also really love how once he gets out, you know, he mentions it to Carmela like sort of quickly, which I thought was an interesting thing, you know, like that's the kind of thing you maybe put off like telling your wife, you know, because she might be kind of upset about that. However, the way that Carmela reacts, it's incredible because they're just in lockstep with one. She's like, well, you know, wasn't doing much anyway. Like, I mean, and the way she reacts is so surprising because she has not I mean, she reacts as if he hasn't been seeing this therapist for 10 years. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't doing much for you. Like, she's the fucking gardener. You know what I mean? Right. It's yeah. So, and, and it only validates all of your feelings about him leaving therapy, where it's like, these people truly do not get this, you know? Yeah. And don't value it in the right kind of way. And And if Carmela is at this point, I mean, not if, but Carmela is so delusional at this point. That she's just like, yeah, well, it wasn't doing much, you know, that right. kind of thing. And like Tony says it like how many years ago? I haven't had a panic attack since my mom died, you know, like right. clearly something was working. Yeah. 
I wonder if Carmela still holds on to some of that resentment from early on when she found out that Dr. Melfi was Dr. Jennifer Melfi and not, huh. uh, you know, I mean, Tony for a little while kept up the ruse that it was a guy. Maybe interesting point. Maybe maybe that's just something I'm. Wow, this this episode turned into sort of a greatest hits of Sopranos, and I'm loving it. Yeah, Uh, which so let's end with we had one final cameo from Artie Bucco. Thank God, right? We really need Um, it. We needed one more. I'm glad we're seeing him because we haven't seen him since. uh, I mean, he might have popped up here and there, but really since his his final uh, curtain call last or season six A. and, which was great. Uh, which was great. Yeah, but it's it's good to see. I mean, you know, they get out of the series relatively unscathed. You know, I mean, he's had. I mean, relatively. Downs. I mean, they're doing great, and I think that this yeah. is like it's the it's not to put too fine of a point on it, but you know, Artie and 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 Lorraine, um, Lorraine, Charmaine, Charmaine, Charmaine. <laughs> Artie and Charmaine, Lorraine Bracco, Charmaine Bucco. I mean, I suppose I'm crazy for mixing those up, huh? Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, uh, it's just an amazing stark contrast that we see where, you know, Tony and Carmela are going through all of this incredible stress, all of the the families. And, you know, already weathered the storm. They got through. The restaurant is clearly like, okay, you know? Mm -hmm. Man Genius is eating there. That that's a good <laughs> sign. Business is booming, you know, okay, yeah. at least. And guess what? They don't have all that stress. I, I exactly. I'll take Artie's stress over Tony's stress any day of the week, you know. Yeah. I mean, Artie won, you know. He was always kind of like what it was always a a a, sh- a show of maybe what Tony's life could have looked like if he had just stayed on the straight and narrow. And mm-hmm. yeah, there were stresses there. Yeah, Artie couldn't just live his life at a strip club and take shots on a Sunday afternoon and do whatever he wanted and right. have the younger girlfriend and whatever else. But ultimately, he can. He doesn't have to sleep at night with a fucking AK-47 in his hands. <laughs> it's an a- a- I believe it's an AR-10, but yes, it's I okay. Totally AR-10. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, Charmaine, of course, gets to kind of be super passive aggressive and hold it over Carmela's heads over her head that uh, the kids didn't really turn out the way they wanted. I mean, there's no (laughs) Dr. Meadow Soprano, Um, even though she was always intellectually curious, even as a little tyke or or whatever Artie says there, which is great. Um, I love because Artie is never passive aggressive. You know, he he isn't actually he's not like slick enough to be passive aggressive. He's only aggressive or friendly. You know, like, and he's being friendly, but Charmaine's like, yeah, absolutely. But for some reason, when Charmaine says it, it's like a totally different (laughs) scenario. You know what I mean? Twisting of the knife. Uh, We get one last amazing arty hand gesture when they mention constitutional law. He does. He mimics signing something, (laughs) which is just (laughs) incredible. (laughs) Um, So great to run into them one more time. And, uh, you know, great uh, just contrast between the two families there and the two couples. And, um, you know, yeah. And great that they Artie head wins. back to Artie wins. And, you know, you could see Tony telling Artie how hard his life is right now. And Artie being like, oh, man, that sounds rough. You know, like, wish I could help you when right. when it was the opposite so many times, you know. Right. Um, yeah. 
So good stuff. And I, I love Eric Mangini being there a few months before the whole Spygate thing goes down, of course. I have to, of course, make everything about the New England Patriots in some way. Uh, and well, I this is so this is a I Giants house, in. so that's fine. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I know. got that in. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Mangini, who... Fucking uh, New England sports fans. God damn it. Listen, Mangini regret, regrets that as much as anybody, okay? He named his, his son's middle name as William after Bill Belichick. Belichick never talks to him anymore, so I'm sure that, um, you know, <laughs> we should get him on the show. He'd have a lot to say. Mangini? Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> I'm sure he'd love Yeah, this is a guy who can record himself. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, I mean, I think that about wraps up blue comment well, i mean i mean we, we miss, haven't we really we, we didn't say much about aj but we'll we'll get there next week with rhiannon and his i i like stray observations to to use the av club term the yep. whole like he caught uh hernan finger banging his cousin on a ski on a finger banging her cousin on a ski lift is that what she <laughs> says <laughs> i think so yes incredible oh uh that scene between aj and tony is great the what do you mean he got shot thing is great Um, (laughs) that's the funniest line of the whole episode yeah what do you mean he got shot (laughs) (laughs) like what do you think it means but also it's like a very insightful line because the way that tony says it is like obviously leaving out so many details like he was murdered because I started some shit with the New York Mafia family. Like, yes, I am in the Mafia. And, right. you know, this is my fault, but some men came to murder him and they murdered him with guns. And that's how he 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 was shot by them, you know. But when AJ yeah. says, what do you mean he got shot? It's just <laughs> kind of like the way it's like. It it, it it was like on the it, it's not like I was thinking that, but like part of me was like, oh, yeah, of course, like I I would like you to answer that question as well, because of the way that yeah. he talks all the time. He got shot, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, well, yeah. Also, it's... AJ does not get the mafia doublespeak thing like he got shot by a friend over there. What do you mean he got shot? You know, <laughs> like, you cannot talk that way to a mafioso. <laughs> it's just like the ultimate, like not being cool about it. Like, be cool, AJ. Be cool. Like, he goes, what do you mean he got shot? <laughs> right. Cannot handle it at all. It might be uh, other hilarious lines. Could be a number of things. That's one of my favorites. When when Carmela's like, "What's going on?" Could be a number of things. That's a really good one. Just the way he delivers it. Yes. Yeah. Because you know Tony knows exactly what's going on. But right, Carmela, there be in ultra denial. I mean, like she should know right away. But you know, I guess doesn't want to think about it. Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean he got shot? I just we just have <laughs> still have room for AJ comedy, and I gotta tell you, like even my wife was like, just like laughed when he said that. Robert Eiler's comedic chops just went like through the roof in six. Seriously, B. man, he's so good. Well, I mean, he's it's... so good. I mean, because in six A, he didn't really have time to be funny, like you know, having a fucking heart attack from doing too much blow, and like right generally being an asshole and getting twisted but like <laughs> he's just so fucking funny in this season it like kills me man he's yeah. great yeah i mean well it's next week is essentially an aj centric episode i guess we'll have a lot to say there i want to have uh, eiler on the pod let's go 
Yeah. Let's go, I mean, baby. I'll hit him up. All right. Let's, <laughs> I'll DM him let's on ask, the gram. Let's ask Uncle Steve for his email and uh, <laughs> see if he can get us in touch. Be like, all right, Uncle fine. Steve is now, uh, Uncle Steve is now a competitor of ours. <laughs> so That's true. We can't, right? <laughs> we can't give him any of our ideas. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, any other stray observations? I mean, I, I feel like we covered quite a bit. Um just what do you mean he got shot? That's the best line yeah, of the whole thing. that's a thing. good one. Um, oh, Raging Bull. Oh, yeah, of course. Great we, scene. Um, so Raging, we're using Ra- Raging Bull as the music for this episode, but we're not in a studio together, so we can't listen to the music as we're getting into it to get in the mood like yeah. we normally would. It's a little, you know, Hollywood magic for you. Um, yep. What's the deal with that moment? Um, because they're in Vesuvio, you know, and they're sort of like, "Oh, it's the Raging Bull music." And is it is it as simple as like they just don't realize how serious it is yet, so they're fucking around? I I was gonna say I think that's part of it, you know, that they're kind of maybe, um, you know, the show loves to kind of show people watching some kind of pop culture and applying it to themselves, and are they doing that here a little bit where they're hearing this? this music, you know, that's, I believe played during a scene where he's losing his fight towards the end of the movie, but he, you know, ultimately he doesn't get knocked out. It's been a long time since I've seen Raging Bull. I probably should have uh, done my homework and rewatched it, but he's, he's getting like the shit kicked out of him. And, but he doesn't get knocked out and kind of walks away from that as it's almost like a victory. He's like Mm -hmm. yelling that like he didn't go down. Um, so maybe they're kind of thinking like they're they're uh, Jake LaMotta in that moment where they're like, hey, we're putting up a fight, you know? And uh, yeah. And then also they just love Marty and, you know, I mean, the Italian filmmaker. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> you know, uh, so there's that, too. And then I guess from the from a behind the scenes point, you know, I mean, David Chase owes a lot to Martin Scorsese and I'm sure recognizes true. that and giving a little shout out in the second to last episode. Well, so I watched taxi thinking. driver last night actually. And uh, nice. I was thinking because taxi driver has, you know, that the shooting scene at the end, um, is like, it, it's like you're playing a video. It's like you're playing a video game, like on the hardest possible setting, you know, like, mm-hmm. because he goes in there and he's like trying to shoot him, And he like, kind of like, isn't, a, a very good, um, what do they call it? Um, uh, mercenary, you know, he's just like mm-hmm. kind of stinks at it. Like he's like shooting people in the hand and like walking away. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not a professional like these Italians that they get and they bring over who just like pop you in the head and drop the gun and walk away. You know, he's like, it's like he, he's shooting people in the stomach and the hand and like leaving shit kind of half done, half not done. And getting shot in the neck and the arm and like all that shit. And um, I think that there's a difference between scenes where like people are really getting it like sort of easily and where it's actually like you're shown like how like how big of an undertaking it is to actually like kill someone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, so like the big contrast is there are scenes like... um, sort of the fun, easy shooting scenes, like when, uh, like when Mikey Palmisi dies, like that's a really good example, you know, 
He's like, yeah. oh, and they're just like plugging away at him. And it's like, oh, yeah. he got shot. But, um, you know, but then there's the, like, you know, uh, still getting shot. And that's like, that's a hard kind of, that's a battle, you know, that like doesn't feel good. That There's, it's not, um, it's not uh, a release of tension at all. It's actually more of a building of tension. Like when they shoot Mikey Palmisi, it's like, yeah. But when, yeah. you know, there's nothing cathartic about about that scene where they're shooting at Phil and it's like, oh no, oh my God. And like, he's kind of getting shot and he's struggling and all of this stuff. Like you're feeling like every detail in a way that a lot of movies and things like gloss over. And I feel like I, it was just a parallel that I drew because, you know, that's definitely something that happened in the seventies, especially with Scorsese is you got these scenes that were like, Ugh. like, someone shooting two people is actually really hard. You know, that's like yeah. a lot of it's, it's really tough to, to get through that scene and, and the guy barely makes it. But you know, then you have these other types of Hollywood shooting scenes where it's like really simple. Anyway, I, I feel yeah. like we're verging on the side of more of that sort of taxi driver thing where it's like, it's just laid bare a little bit more. It's not embellished, you know, it's like, no, this is hard and people aren't very good at it or maybe they're good at it, but other people are too, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, that's all I want to say about yeah. that. I mean, uh, yeah, it's not uh, the glamour is taken out of it, I guess, really, is what it is. You know, there's no yeah. it's gritty. There's no Hollywood glamour about it. That's true. Well, all yeah. right. We got any questions? Uh, we do. We got a couple. Let me see. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. I can't believe people still tweeted us like sh- like uh, Pavlov's dog. You just send out the, the the bat signal and everyone jumps on. <laughs> I know. After all the times we've let them down, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're still. Uh, all right. This one comes from uh, Scott Furute at S at S Furute. I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name, but uh, right. what's your best? What's your best hangover cure? This is very uh, good for the uh, the quarantine days. Well, I think <laughs> exercise, sweating it out. Yeah. I think um, that is a good one. Hard to do sometimes the next morning. Oh, yeah. Lack of motivation gets in the way. I would say I like um, some kind of spicy noodle dish and Coca-Cola on ice. I think that just gets rid of it right away. uh, Coca-Cola on ice, huh? That brings you back to to level ground. Yeah, it does. And then the spicy noodles kind of like shock you out of it. And also there's they're oily and kind of greasy, which I think really helps. The, the, I don't know. Love it. I mean, also, of course, the number one, uh, and maybe this is a regional thing, but the bacon, egg and cheese. I mean, I know that's universal in some ways, but it is just kind of better in, in New York. Uh, but the bacon I, and I, cheese from the from your bagel place or your deli is the way to go. That's a good one, but for hangovers, I need something. I need something sloppier than that. I feel like you know uh, that personally, you know, it, sloppier and than bacon egg and cheese. Yeah, it's not so much of a cure as just like a like I can live through this a little bit easier because I'm gonna like try to enjoy it. But you know, some some tacos, some noodles, oh, well, yeah, some just some crazy shit. You know what I mean? Like just really yeah. slutting it up with the food. I feel like is 
it, that that's a uh, Chinese food. I love a Chinese food. You know when oh when uh, when I'm sure. hungover, that's really good. Yeah. But it does, that none of that will cure your hangover. In fact, it will mostly make it worse. Like. That's but the it other masks thing. it enough, you know, I mean... Well, it, yeah, it, it makes you really enjoy make your away. life for like an hour or so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> you go helps. back to feel like shit, yeah. But that, I think, uh, maybe it's the mix of just the, the caffeine and the sugar and just the the cold shock, but the, the Coke on ice for me, and then like maybe a couple Advils after that will at least like get me out of it enough that I'm, I can be productive after a night of drinking. I've, I've never done the Coke, and I think that I will... Well, I've done, you know... I've never done that Coke, and um, I will <laughs> I will give that one a shot. It helps, especially, I mean, you know, speaking of uh, the tacos, like the, the Mexican Coke with the real cane sugar, that is Ugh. even better. Um, but I have to say, okay. I mean, I, the, I'm so upset that there's no... Uh, you grew up with some good breakfast burritos, I assume. There's nothing really like that yeah. on the East yeah. Coast, you know? There's there's more... I would actually say in New York, there's there's more good taco places than people... Uh, will admit, or I guess yep. I don't know. There's, there's always the uh, the East Coast West Coast fight there, and of well, course the, it's better the, out west. The thing but about some good the places. well, but the thing that we have to remember about Mexican food in California is that it's its own cuisine. It's not even Mexican. It's you know like California taqueria right. stuff is is sort of its own thing in a lot of ways. Um, so uh, it's a, yeah, it's just a different vibe. But I I totally agree with you. Um, but the best breakfast burritos are that, that I mean, that being said, the best breakfast burritos, you know, back out west are that's total gringo stuff. You know, maybe you get some chorizo in there, but it's eggs, it's American cheese, you know, like yeah. pinto beans. Uh, but it's just I don't know. It's just good. It's really it's just the dopest shit. I don't know yeah, it. it is. Um, this one comes from at Josh the Doe. Do you think Carmela Meadow and or AJ could have ever fucked anything up that tremendously that Tony would have killed them? Assume one of them was, for example, an informant like Adriana. Uh, I assume only AJ stupid enough to end up there. Would Tony do as he expected Christopher to do? Or expected Christopher to? Huh. Um, I really want to, I want to believe that he would not, but how the fuck do you get out of that? I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, Carlo's son gets in trouble and Carlo flips. So I guess, I guess maybe that's the, that's the thing is they probably wouldn't get one of them to flip, but they would use whatever's going on to try and get Tony to flip. Right. Well, I also think that Tony's smarter than Carlo and all of these people. I mean, this question is Mm -hmm. worth answering, but the answer really lies in the fact that Tony would never let anyone in his family get close enough to be able to testify against him. And that's just just how he rolls. Well, that's the thing. It's like Tony says to Carmela, you know, after 10 years of marriage, like, don't make don't don't make me make you an accessory after the fact. I mean, AJ, like, yes. Yeah, so maybe AJ could start coming up the ranks a little bit at some point. But Tony knows that he's a fucking moron and and is not going to put him in that position, you know, and then Meadow mm-hmm. just she's a woman. So she's not going to I don't know, like she's not going to become a mafioso or anything like that. I, I, I it's a good question, but the answer lies in the fact that Tony is smarter than that and and has clearly thought about that you know what i mean yeah i mean yeah because that was the whole thing with christopher it was i guess finding a way to insulate himself even more but and christopher was probably an easier sacrifice than aj or meadow or carmela so a hundred percent but but i just mean like when you know when he says to 
Carmela, like, you know, after however many years of marriage, don't make me make you an accessory after the fact when uh, Janice shoots Richie. It's it's right there. You know, he he knows that that's a thing. He doesn't want that to mm-hmm. happen. He's never going to he's going to try his best to have them not be in that position. And that's clearly what's going on. You know, that's why, you know, in the next episode, we're going to find AJ uh, taking the rugs outside and putting him in the sun, you know, mm-hmm. while uh, his other guys are driving him around trying to get a 20 on filth, as they say. <laughs> uh, this comes from at the speaking eye. And I feel like it's a question tailored to you. Uh, can I get some good hip hop recs? Also, what's some of your favorite recording equipment? Uh, <laughs> J Electronica. The new J Electronica is very good. Um, it's pretty new. Came out like right before quarantine. Listen yeah, to that. Time, time is meaningless. I mean, yeah, big time. Um, I'm a really big Gunna fan. I love Gunna. Um, nice. I really like Megan the Stallion. The song Savage gets me fucking amped, like really <laughs> amped. Um, and then some of my, I don't know, some of my favorite recording equipment. That's really difficult. That's like, right. I like, what, do, do we mean for, for podcasts? What? I mean, to be honest, like for the podcast, we're recording them with laptop microphones because that's actually on the newer MacBook Pro laptops. The, uh, not, the an ad, is that, not an ad. Not an ad. We're, well, no, they're, they're paying us. It's okay. We can tell. Them. <laughs> All right. Um, they're uh, the the microphones are actually pretty solid and better than like on the AirPods. So that's what we're using. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you tell us, but I think they sound fairly decent. Uh, don't tell us. Comes... Don't don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Bending over backwards here to make it work out. <laughs> um. Okay. This one comes from. Uh, at Nolan Brinkman, and this will be the last one. Which Sopranos character could pull off their own spinoff show, and what's the premise? Oh, didn't we touch? We touched on that. Um, oh, the spinoff show is is AJ and Little Carmine in the porno business. Oh, that yeah, yes, I like that. Yeah, I would Little Carmine would, in general. Little Carmine in general, yeah. I mean, I would. I think the ballsy move would be to make a show with Little Carmine about all of the years, like the exact same years that Sopranos <laughs> run, but just like whatever he was up to, you know? Right. And then every now and then you get that intersect where he's like, oh, I got up to New York. I got to go up to New York. My uncle Philly and my friend Tony are in this problem. So I'll see you later. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, that would be incredible. That would be really good, actually. Yeah. Because it would all be kind of seen through like his childlike wonder eyes, you know, <laughs> Just and it like, could, it would be so funny or, or would it get old? Because like, we'd get a lot of his like malapropisms. I don't well, know. Well, no, I mean, in this show, he would have to be like somehow the smartest one. And I feel like there's a lot of like, kind of like cheesy action type sequences where he does like impossible stunts, but like, you know, gets out of, gets out of scraps and or whatnot. Like, I could see him just like holding up with one arm on the side of a building, like saving someone and like getting in and, you know, like I, just just doing nonsense. It would have a very 80s vibe to it. Like it would need a very bassy soundtrack and, yeah. uh, you know, something like that. But I can oh, see it takes it, it certainly takes place in Miami. Like, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like a lot of pastels. He's wearing sunglasses a lot. I guess basically be like CSI Little Carmine. <laughs> Is what I'm CSI, thinking. <laughs> little Carmine. Yeah, little Carmine. That's the little Carmine. That's the show. That's definitely the show. And 
I feel like AJ is 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 in there somehow because he's got to be, you know. Yeah, he's of course. So funny, and because the two of them, <laughs> I feel like the comedic chops between the two of them, it would just be a hilarious, hilarious show. Oh, so much unintentional comedy! It would, it would be incredible. Yeah. So that's the one, the little Carmine. Uh, all right, that's gonna go ahead and uh, and do it for. Um, Blue Comet. Our, uh, our I can't believe it's episode. the second to the last episode. Fuck. This is it. This is pretty crazy. Um, See, this both... is how it. This is how it feels. This is why we waited forever. Does it feel good knowing know. you only have one more audience? It no, doesn't. it doesn't. It, it doesn't. really doesn't. Yeah. No. Um, so you know, we'll have to um, watch the show for one and uh, gather our thoughts and and talk about the finale next time. Which is well, really fucking crazy. I wish we were doing this in person. I really do. Ah, uh, me too. But what are you gonna do? Maybe we should. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What can we do? Should, should we do a commentary, like a DVD commentary on the live on the on the real episode? Yeah, we gotta do something. We'll figure it out. Um, should we have this brainstorming session on the air? Do you think that's a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> is that fun? Is that fun for everyone? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of just long silences. Oh boy. Um, uh, all right. Well, well, until next time, um, follow us, uh, subscribe to our OnlyFans, subscribe to Twitter, follow us on uh, <laughs> uh, subscribe, subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, all that stuff. Yes. And we'll be back to talk Made in America, the final episode of The Sopranos. And we may we, we may take our time putting this one together. This is going to be a real extravaganza. Let yeah, just I think say gonna, that. I think we do have to have a little brainstorm session and, and figure out what we uh, how we want to approach. So well, we'll you see know, you next time. President Clinton isn't sure when he can do the interview, but we're pretty sure that he can make it. So yeah, let's lock that down. Uh, yeah. And that will be in person, and we'll be we'll be sitting very close to each other. Uh, well, well, Cl- <laughs> Bill had the Rona, so he can go anywhere. <laughs> no, it's all good. He's he's immune. Um, yeah. All right. Until next time. Right. Bye. Bye.